This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Alex Goff, Editor-in-Chief of RugbyMag.com. As always, we have Pat Clifton, also from RugbyMag.com, and Bruce McLean from Some Planet Somewhere Else uh, on the show. We're pretty excited about that. We also have a guest this time, which is James Walker from Tiger Rugby and Belmont Shore, uh, actually Rugby Magazine's uh, co-coach of the year, along with Ray Egan for the work they did with Belmont Shore. Uh, so we're excited to have that. Bruce, how are you, go- how are you doing? Alex, I'm doing great. And I got to say that I, we had a, a big thing in New York City at, uh, at the King's College where Sean Haranival Blue is the athletic director. Graham Henry came and gave a speech on how to develop a winning culture, talked about some tactics within the, um, within the amateur and professional game. And then, he, and then he took questions for a couple of hours and took pictures and went out for drinks with people for a few more hours after that, him and his wife. And the Met Union or, or the Empire GU now has what they actually did was since Graham Henry is working with the rugby site, which is which is one of our sponsors, the 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 Empire GU bought a subscription to the rugby site for each of the club's coaches. So 105 clubs in the Empire GU each got a uh, a paid subscription from the money that, that the that the Empire Union has, and so it, they they did a I think a really good thing for the clubs, and I think it's going to be really beneficial for the Division Two and Three clubs, and and for the collegiate clubs that possibly don't have as much continuity or access to information like some of the Division One clubs or or things of that nature. So it was it was a very big week in New York, and I would and I have to thank Sean Haran and Renee Overit and um and Michael Crafton and Gary Hevner for making that happen. And I also have to thank Mike Tolkien for um, hosting Graham Henry as I was able to get him to the, get him from the airport, get him to his hotel and get him home. But I couldn't go to the speech because I had to go to my daughter's Christmas show, which I guess they're not allowed to call Christmas anymore for whatever reason. Um, Now it's a holiday show, but uh, that was my week and it was pretty fun. And I'm really thankful for all those guys. And I think they did a, a really nice thing and a good service, and I thank Graham Henry and um, and Brendan Radcliffe and Raywin Henry, and it was it was fantastic and and it was it was terrific and it really brought the New York community together. And yeah, it was, a nice little partnership between Old Blue and New York Athletic Club, so that's uh, nice to see. Pretty well, cool. I would say it was it was more Village Lions, Bayonne, Fordham University Women, Old Blue, New York Athletic Club, New York Rugby Club. Everybody kind of had a hand in it. That's the the good thing about rugby in New York is that there there can be animosity at times, but for the most part, everybody works together when they need to get something done. And 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 the reality is, this was a this was a two days notice hit, and and they both yeah, did it right. Excellent, excellent. Pat Clifton, you didn't have Graham Henry uh, in town, uh, but uh, you've finally. Uh, I'm not sure if I've recovered from going down to Houston and the collegiate sevens, but I know you have because you're younger and more more spry. I don't know if spry is a fair definition but uh, or description, but I'll take it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a really fun weekend. We got to see a lot of really uh, 
good action, a lot of exciting talent. And I really relish those weekends because a lot of times we talk to coaches and hear about players all year. And then um, it's, there's really no opportunity to see a lot of those guys at one place like there is at a sevens tournament. So um, very true. Got to, see, got to see a lot of that talent together. And I'm interested to see what uh, what James Walker thinks about that talent. If any of those guys are future Tigers or Eagles. Well, I'm interested too, and we will be right back, and we will be talking to James Walker here on Rugga Matrix America. Las Vegas is the place to be February 8th through 10th as the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament returns to one of the world's most exciting cities. The top 16 national Sevens teams, including your own USA Eagles, collide in Round 5 of the HSBC Sevens World Series at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. Come experience the wonderful international atmosphere and mind-blowing action up close. Then celebrate, see a show, and experience all the food, gaming, and excitement of Las Vegas. It's an international party. Go to USA7s.com for tickets and hotel information. USA 7s, February 8, 9, and 10 in 2013. Let's go. So we're back here on Rugged Matrix America. This is Alex Goff with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And don't forget that you can check out Rugged Matrix America on iTunes as well as get it on RugbyMag.com. And also you can go uh, to the Apple Store to subscribe to Rugby Magazine now. So that's pretty exciting. We are very uh, pleased to have uh, as our our guest in this show, James Walker, who's with uh, Belmont Shore and with Tiger Rugby. And um, we're talking a lot about uh, developing players here in, and the different ways that that's going uh, going to happen. So, James, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And, James, uh, first of all, last time I saw you was actually down in Houston at the Collegiate Sevens. And we chatted very briefly. Um, and you were there. Uh, I'm interested to hear really uh, what you saw in terms of the – the talent that you saw there or the, the sevens talent, but uh, also in, in what capacity were you there? Were you just uh, there to observe or were you there sort of in a more official capacity? I was there in a totally unofficial capacity. Um, my partner in Tiger Rugby, Paul Holmes, was actually uh, asked uh, by Bowling Green to help out for uh, two weeks prior to the tournament to, uh, to help them get ready, uh, which unfortunately wasn't enough time as it turned out. But uh, I think they made some strides. Uh, but just really out of curiosity to kind of see the game firsthand, the collegiate game, and and see how it has or has not developed. And uh, I must say, for the most part, I was pretty uh, pleasantly surprised. In, you know, that's the interesting thing about uh, Collegiate Sevens. It's still extremely young. It's only been a couple of years that anybody has been paying attention to it. And I know I've said this before, but uh, uh, without the CRC going on NBC uh, starting in 2010, we wouldn't be seeing this kind of enthusiasm for uh, Collegiate 7. So that's that's great to see. Enthusiasm for it and, and playing real 7s rugby, those are two different things. So you're you're saying that you, you, you saw some things that you were happy with. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the CRC. It was on, uh, the first CRC was actually on at the same time as we were playing a tournament in 2010. So we didn't really see much. Uh, much of it. I think we were in the middle of our 15 season um, and we kind of had to, you know, kind of r- run back the TV and kind of see what was going on. But uh, I remember looking at it at, back at that time and just thinking, oh boy, this is uh, this is going out live on television. And I mean, it was a bit of a debacle. There was a couple of decent teams and a couple of decent players, but 
for the most part, it didn't look anything like sevens rugby, at least to my eyes. Um, but, you know, that said, uh, I thought this tournament uh, in Texas was much, much better advertisement for rugby. And I'm sure the CRC this year is going to be much better. Uh, two weeks prior to that, I was actually down in, um, in Columbus, Ohio, uh, as we're, you know, busy finalizing leases on our uh, Tiger Rugby Academy, which we can talk about later. Uh, but the Big Ten tournament was going on, so I watched that too. And even the next level of sevens, teams that didn't make Texas, um, you know, at the Big Ten tournament, there was a number of those teams that did not make it to Texas. And even that level of sevens was a lot more structured for the most part than what I saw at the initial CRC. You were watching that initial CRC. I know exactly where you're, you're at Infinity Park in Glendale, Colorado at uh, the D1 Club uh, 15's Final Four. That's correct. No? That's correct. Any, you know, I've spoken with you a couple of times about some of the stuff that, you know, the Eagles need. And, and one of the things I think we've agreed on is that they need some ball winners, some big forwards. Um, there's a couple of young guys in the mix up now. But I'm, I'm interested in particular. Did you see any big guys down in Texas that you thought could play? Um, yeah, there was quite a few big guys. Uh, you know, whether they're ready to get on the uh, international circuit, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, again, I, I would have to say say that it was the most underserved category and unfortunately is it's the one that we really need the most um you know there's a few guys one guy you know most of them already already on the uh on the radar um like pat blair from uh, central washington he really impressed me <clears throat> um i know the knock on him is that he might not have the best speed side to side but he's such a hard worker he seems like a smart guy um, you know, I remember us playing against him in uh, Glendale last year and uh, uh, Tiger played against the uh, All-Americans and, and Pat was a handful already back then. So, uh, and he's got that grunt. I think he's a guy that needs to be given a chance. Uh, there's also a few other youngsters. Um, you know, I was looking at uh, Glenn Toms from Delaware uh, and Garrett Brewer from St. Mary's. Uh, both those guys could develop into some really decent forwards. Uh, they both need to uh, get a bit more of a hard edge, but they are both very talented. And um, I think it's just a question of them growing into their, you know, growing into their bodies. Can Can Dominic Mauer be a sevens forward, or does he, do, does he have to be a center or a wing? I think Dom is uh, Dom is a very interesting guy. He had a great tournament. Um, he'll argue with me. I think I think I finally made my point uh, to him, but. He really needs to work on his offloading skills. Um, he could be a forward in the mold of uh, James Gillenwater, um, except a lot harder to bring down. Uh, Guppy uh, used to cover so much of the pitch, and he was such a live wire that it was very hard for L to leave him out of the team. I think that uh, Dom could be one of those guys. He's just nonstop on the pitch, and uh, boy, guys don't like to tackle him. James, do you think that... Um... That players aren't getting enough exposure to sevens in order to be good at it, like really That's... good at it. And I think that it, the the question is like, at what point do you decide to specialize? And 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 I wanted to bring up a point. I, I wanted to ask you a question, a coaching question as well. Uh, I was talking to Mike Tolkien, and he was saying, every time you're in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you got to look for the offload. He's like, you got to get your hands free, and the other guy has to run a line to get an offload in order to keep the continuity. Would that be something you look at at sevens, especially in one-on-ones? And 
Secondly, do you think people need to play more sevens? I personally do. I do think they're two different games. I'm, and, and I know that there's some crossover, but I think at the elite level, one or two guys, you know, I just want on your opinion. Yeah, I, I, uh, well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. You know, I know, you know, I've spent a lot of time catching sevens, but I've also spent a lot of time catching fifteens. And um, as far as always having to look for the offload, um, in fifteens I agree, in sevens I don't. Um, depending on on the uh, structure that you want to play, oftentimes you actually want to take the contact, and you want to reset the offside line. Um, so I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, every time. Um, the other thing is, is that there just aren't as many support players, right? So if you if you do miss the guy, you're going to get yourself isolated because you don't have anyone to ruck. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think it is different in that sense. I think for us, it's actually a massive benefit if the kids start playing sevens young. Um, it's fantastic for our skill levels uh, as they mature and they they essentially uh, graduate into into fifteens. Um, so I think. For USA Rugby, uh, it's it's a fantastic sport. You know, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned Glenn Thomas because he's actually uh, uh, going to come up in a commercial a little bit later talking about the CRC. And uh, he's, a, he's a product of uh, the USA U20 and High School All-Americans program. And there's a situation also, James, where we're starting to expose players at a, at a somewhat elite level on the high school level it's not just playing sevens to say here's how you play sevens but also getting the high school all-americans to go play uh yeah. play some sevens um how important is that yeah and that's that's incredibly important and, and quite frankly that's that really is the crux of what we do at tiger rugby and you know originally tiger rugby was always going to be the you know the one top team that travels travels the world and we we still uh, intend to continue doing that but but uh, we're seeing the opportunity now to start adding more teams, more younger development squads, uh, because I think it's imperative for us to get these guys, like Bruce said, get them higher quality sevens as much as possible. Um, in fact, we're taking two teams to uh, the LVR this year. So our first team will be playing in the elite bracket, um, but we're taking a young development squad uh, that's going to be playing in the Aces bracket, which is, which is actually pretty, uh, pretty stacked as well. Great. Well, well, let's let's talk about that. Um, the Las Vegas Invitational, which is the the tournament that's held, put on by USA Sevens during the USA right around the USA Sevens tournament in Las Vegas in February. Uh, it's become the largest tournament in the country. Uh, well over 200, 230, more than that uh, teams involved. Um, some 15s, mostly sevens, but uh, you know, pretty much whatever you want, you can you can get out of it. And James, you've taken Tiger Rugby there. You've won a tournament, uh, what was essentially the men's elite sevens. And then you were in the final against a semi-pro team uh, last year and you lost uh, to the the Pups, uh, which featured Luke Hume, who made the national team. And, and, and you had a couple of players on your team that um, were basically that were looking to either get back on the national team or looking to get a look on the national team. Some of those guys did get on the national team at least uh, at least a couple of times after playing in Vegas for you. So what what benefit, what use is, is something like the Las Vegas Invitational uh, for Tiger Rugby and for the kinds of players you want to develop? Well, I, I think it's I think it's great for 
for uh, for everybody involved, the players, for for us as a club, um, for uh, for Alex Magleby uh, at the Eagles to see how the guys stack up. Um, I know last year we played against what amounted to be essentially the uh, French national B side. Almost every single guy on that team had played the French national sevens team. Uh, we played against Chile. We played against Spain, uh, who we beat. And at that time, even the Eagles had never beaten Spain, um, which they just achieved uh, a couple of weeks ago um, by the same scoreline. So, you know, it was it was great for us. It was great for the guys that wanted to make a, a statement. Um, you know, and we did it all pulling together literally a, a day before the uh, the tournament kicked off. So it, it's awesome. I mean, it's really good for the guys to get that kind of experience and to to realize when they step on the pitch that, you know, these guys have got two arms, two legs. We hit them hard and we see what happens, you know. Um, and I always go back to uh, this last weekend down in Texas. I was speaking to Aaron Manheimer of Chicago. And uh, I think I mentioned this last time I was on the on the podcast with you guys that, um, you know, Chicago and, and Tigers and Belmont Shore generally are pretty evenly matched. Uh, but at the LVI last year, Chicago, you know, came short quite quite badly. They, they were beaten, I think, five, six tries to nil by all those teams that we beat. And the, the only real difference was the fact that most of my guys had the experience of playing against these teams and they weren't overawed at all. So we could just match up and play the game on the pitch and see what happened. You mentioned you're, you're taking that younger side and you, you, sound, you said it's stacked. So who are some of those guys that you're taking? No, no, no. I said the, uh, I said the men's aces division is stacked. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> He's not, no, no trash talking yet on the. No, no, no. <laughs> the men's, you know, the men's, the men's aces is going to be very good. Um, there's a team from New Zealand that's down there. Uh, University of Victoria from uh, from Canada's coming down. Um, I know Chicago have dropped down to the aces division. Um, it's it's going to be a decent, a, a decent if not very good division. Um, as far as the team that I'm going to be playing on the development squad. I'm not quite sure yet. I, I've had quite a few guys that I've spoken to from the uh, from the tournament in Texas, guys that I've got my eyes on. Um, I know that Tony Pacheco obviously has his eyes on a few of them too. Uh, so it, it is a little bit dependent on who gets selected for the All-Americans and uh, who drops out. But but definitely, I mean, guys like, you know, Glenn, Glenn Thomas is, is uh, one of those guys that... that uh, that we're speaking to um, through uh, Chris Ryan and uh, Garrett Burr and, and a couple of those guys. So we'll just have to kind of see who who gets selected. But I can tell you that we, we intend to make it for the most part uh, under 23 side that plays in that in that development squad. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's great because there's a lot of these kids that just their clubs don't have the funds or, or, you know, for whatever reason, they just don't get a chance to play in an event like this. So if they come out and they impress in the... Uh, in the development squad, we'd like to take him on our full, our full blown target first. Um, you know, which obviously is a, a very, is a much higher level. I want to ask I about thought... a couple more specific players, if, if you guys don't mind, just because you, a lot of times you see some of these guys really make a lot of plays on the collegiate level, make them in the club sevens level um, at the different circuit areas. But then once you know, either they don't get that shot with the national team, or if they do, you know, they don't do as well as, as other people would have thought they would. Uh, one of those guys is Zach Mizell from Arkansas State. You know, they were phenomenal. He won the MVP um, of the tournament. Zach has played on the 
on the men's club seven side with the you know the Dallas Harlequins, been in Nationals with those guys, played with the Woodlands Exiles this year. When you look at his game, how does it translate? And does he have what it takes? You think in terms of uh, measurables and ability to to be an Eagle prospect? I think he should absolutely be be in the mix as an Eagle prospect. I, I thought he played extremely well. Um, in Texas, um, he was also very fortunate that he was playing, you know, with a squad that was punching holes left, right, and center, which gives gives him a lot more space. Um, but I think Zach stacks up uh, very well as a player, and I think he's going to be, uh, you know, he's definitely one that should be coming to camp and and, and see how he, how he really does against the uh, the top boys from around the country. It would be also nice to see him uh, in San Fran uh, playing at the men's club nationals uh, because I think even that's quite a quite a step up from the uh, collegiate nationals. And, and I'll dovetail off that a little bit. Um, a lot of these guys that have been playing for the sevens, um, you play a ton of rugby throughout the year. You know, even J.P. Eloff, um, who doesn't play for the national team, has played, you know, with you, you had in the summer sevens and how important that is. And I know last year Alex Malgoby wanted to see a lot of those guys. There's pretty much an unwritten rule that said if you're not going to be playing and, you know, the all-stars are at nationals, it's going to be really hard for you to make the team. Um do you hear from some of the guys that you know about just being beat down in terms of, you know, overtrained or overworked from the long season, especially some of these guys that are in college that go fall, spring, and then have to play summer as well, or the guys that are on the circuit that play the circuit year-round, maybe play domestically in the spring and then play domestically in the summer. Is it too much to ask for some people to, to play summer ball? You know, honestly, I don't think in this country that is – uh, that it's as much of an issue as it is in, say, New Zealand or South Africa um, or, or the UK. Uh, we just don't play, and we, we quite frankly, I think Bruce will agree with me on this, we, we don't play enough tough games. Um, so I, I really don't buy that. I, James, I, I would comment that I think they play often, but they don't play quality games. And I, and I think that what would be more beneficial would be to play more quality games as opposed to a lot of hack around games. And I, and I think that that's, that's one of the problems that, that we face here is that you, you know, you want to prepare yourself and be motivated to, to do the work in preparation as opposed to going out on the field and just kind of going through the motions or going through the preparation motions. So I, I think that, we need to play more quality games as opposed to more games. And I think that's what you were saying, but I do think that the guys play a lot and, and, and I, I don't know that the games in and of themselves are that bad. I think that what happens is we play one day tournaments with five and six games in them. Yeah. And that tends to add to injuries. We also play in searing heat and that tends to add to injuries and there's also quite a bit of travel. There's not a lot of money in sevens, so a lot of times guys will drive three or four hours to be there for their first game as an eight o'clock kickoff, and they're not finishing the finals until six or seven o'clock at night. So I do think that those things are detrimental for player welfare, and there's probably got to be a way that we that we adjust that. But I I, I think we got to play more. I think we got to play quality, and I think that's the that's the thing is to balance. The amount of the amount of games, the amount of quality games. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Bruce. I'm, I was commenting on the, you know, I, I know it's a massive thing, um, 
for the international rugby players from the so-called tier one countries. You know, I watched New Zealand getting beat down by England and, and you know, no one was really talking about it, but you could tell that those boys were pretty much stuffed at the end of a long season. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens, two teams meeting each other mid-season. I think that's a totally different kind of issue that those guys deal with. That said, in the U.S., we're dealing with um, logistical issues that no other country in the world deals with, in the sense that we've got such a big country. You know, I, I, I talk to the guys in the Midwest, and they've got to travel sometimes eight, ten hours, you know, by car to go play in a tournament overnight. Then, like you say, play five or six games in a day. From Kansas City to Houston for those qualifiers last year, you're talking a 14-hour drive. That's crazy. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know. What the answer is there? Honestly, I mean, we're very fortunate. Bruce, I think you guys are pretty fortunate in the Northeast. We pretty pretty much the same down in Southern Cal. We've got a lot of quality teams within a very uh, short driving range. Um, you know, even this last weekend, we played San Fran, Golden Gate, and San Luis Obispo. And that's only, you know, a three and a half hour drive. Um, and that's about as far as we go, that and Vegas. Um, but But I agree with you. I think that also boils down to the coaches need to really take care of their players, you know, and uh, I know that we try to do a good job with that. Um, if a player's burnt out, he needs to rest. You know, you need to put the player before the team. That's got to be the number one principle. All right. So we we have an idea that you know, we do talk a lot about playing more, but it's playing more good quality games and also yeah. not overstressing players. And the travel, as we, we all know, everybody's done it, the travel – can be very very difficult it's it's tough enough when it's uh, a first class flight and uh um, a nice hotel but you know we're talking about uh buses you know five often into a car and and uh you know even at the collegiate sevens um coaches telling me that uh after first day of competition they were proctoring exams that night for players who had to take exams so we're we a lot of people doing a lot of extra work to make these games happen, and that all uh, contributes to making it a little bit more difficult. We're going to be right back and talk a little bit more about this here on Rugga Matrix America. Hi, this is Glenn Thomas with the University of Delaware. We'll be competing this June in Philadelphia at the CRCs. Don't miss out. You can check it out at USA7CRC.com. Go Delaware. Just a reminder, we are getting on celebration season holiday season we want you to celebrate and have fun but do it responsibly and a great way to do that and have fun is to go to hookerwines.com check out the lauer family line of wines they're rugby people they're wine people they know what they're doing hookerwines.com all right so we're back on rugby matrix america we've got pat and bruce and we and this is alex Gaw from rugbymag.com and we've got james walker talking about Developing players through Tiger Rugby, we sort of spilled out over into uh, you know major issues hitting the game, which of course is what we want to do. Um, but James, uh, first of all, j- just to finish off what we were talking about with the LVI, you were taking two teams there, uh, uh, basically a, a, a frontline men's team and then a development team. And I have two questions uh, about this before we sort of change the subject. Number one is, do you envision yourself uh, yourselves being sort of morphing into a Dog River Howlers type program where you might have five or six teams at a, a tournament like this, going all the way down to high school, spilling over into women, and uh, or or do you want to condense it a little bit more than that? And the other thing is you, you, you're making your your pups, your, your Tiger Cubs team, 
under 23. Um, would you agree that the, I mean, sevens is a young man's game at some point, that kind of team should be more like 18, 19, 20 year olds. Um, yeah, I, you know, to answer your first question, whether we're going to be like the dog of the harders, um, I don't really see this be a sevens club that throws as many guys out there as possible. Um, I could see us potentially doing a high school team down the line for a one-off event, uh, potentially a women's down the line for a one-off event. Um, and just to just to let you guys know for this, you know, the the Vegas weekend, um, we're getting coaches involved too because I feel like that's an area of development that's overlooked uh, very often. So we try to get as many coaches involved. We share knowledge. I want to take these coaches on tours with us and eventually let you know some of these coaches actually coach the Tigers on tour because I don't see myself doing ten tours a year, you know, when the money's there. Um, so for uh, for Vegas. Um, I'm going to be coaching the uh, the top team with Andre Sneeman from uh, from Glendale, and uh, Paul Holmes will be coaching the Cubs um, with Christopher Ryan from Schuylkill River. Um, so so yeah, we're going to give these guys the opportunity to get in there and get involved with us, and you know it's all about sharing knowledge. What is the second part of the question? I know the, uh, the talking about uh, going younger. The idea that when you oh, have okay. a developmental team uh, under 23 is is that I mean, that's fine for this time, but uh, you know, would you envision at some point when we're developing, we're developing 18, 19, 20-year-olds? Well, absolutely. I mean, we'd, we're going to try to go as young as possible, but at the same time, I don't want to paint myself into a corner. Yeah. Uh, you know, it means, you know, and I've, I've actually thought about uh, about this quite a bit. Um, you know, we do this on the Tigers where we, we oftentimes have older players, uh, you know, like, for example, Rian Hamilton, has played with us at 37 years old, and but he's a, he's such an experienced player that, that he's great for the youngsters. Um, you know, even with the Cubs, we might throw on one 25-year-old or one 26-year-old, maybe like a Justin Hundley or somebody like that, just to help pull it all together. Uh, because ultimately, we want the young guys to to be able to to uh, play next to these to these boys that have played on the international level um, to to kind of experience. So yeah, I just want to be a bit careful of painting myself in that corner, but. Absolutely, we will be going young. It'll be mostly guys, you know, that we saw at the Big Ten tournament or at the uh, at the Texas tournament. And I've also been uh, receiving tons of emails lately from various athletes around the country that aren't even playing rugby, you know, football players from D1 colleges. So stand by on that. You know my thoughts on uh, crossovers, <laughs> but but you know I don't mind developing the guys and, and seeing what happens from there. I, I got a a comment. It's interesting what I was looking at it when I, I, I watched the set college sevens on TV or the on the internet and I noticed that, you know, the Arkansas State Life, St. Mary's and Delaware are essentially for what you know, some people would call the smaller schools or the non market schools or whatever. They seem to have a lot of success and I think that Sevens is a is a great place to have this, and I, I'm a you know I'm, I'm you know I'm a 15 purist. I don't have a whole lot of I don't have a whole lot of use for sevens outside of a you know entertainment value and beer drinking. But the and I mean beer drinking on the sideline, not on the field. But um, but that said, I I do think that in order to like if you were to start a high school team, it's a lot easier to do it in sevens. If you're to start a youth, and and I and I would encourage that. I think that that's that that what you were saying earlier about that is critical, and I and I think that you can have 
you could get to national prominence or or regional prominence relatively quickly if you have some good sevens players. But you can have three or four good guys on a 15s team and, and never get out of your own way. So I think, you know, and what you were saying about developing coaches in sevens, there's probably five in the country that are capable at, at the level that you would want them to be capable. And mm-hmm. you may say less. And you may, you know, you may say one or two more, but you wouldn't say any more than 10. So, you know, I think that what you're doing is fantastic. And I would just, I don't know how you feel about that comment. You may, you may not feel great about the comment about not liking sevens. No, no, I, I, I totally understand it. I, I think that when we look at the big bigger uh, picture of things, um, you know, and by the way, I, I, I love what Tokes did. I, I had a chat with uh, Pete Dole the other night after training. And uh, he loved it on tour. I, I, I really enjoyed that the, the the style of play that that Mike has brought to the to the Eagles game. I think it suits us. Um, Did they play you rugby? Know, it's it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but anyways, they tore uh, they tore Romania up in Bucharest. Um, it was good to see. But but back to the youth thing. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that, Bruce, because I, what's exciting for me is. You know, we talk about about sevens being a young man's game, and I think that that definitely is true to a degree. Um, I like to look at the age of the sevens players on tour. Um, the the big countries, New Zealand, England, South Africa, those guys tend to be 18, 19, 20 years old. But I think for us, again, it comes down to rugby age. Um, and, and for us, our guys are playing, you know, if we're lucky, they're starting at 16, 17 years old. Uh, in the past few years, that's changing now. So I think we need to be patient. I mean, I look at uh, at the high school program we started last year uh, down in Long Beach um, that won the circle championship first year out. I mean, some of those kids are awesome. You know, and then I look back at at our nationals this year. I, to be honest with you, at the beginning of the seventh season, I wasn't sure what we were going to be doing at Belmont Shore because we lost ten out of our twelve starters from the previous year's national championship team. And then a guy like Mike Taylor comes along 18 years old and just steals the show, you know, and he's already got all the skills at that age, you know? So these guys are growing up earlier and earlier. And I think as that happens, you know, we'll, we'll see the age, the age of players that make the Eagle sevens and 15 side start dropping commensurately. Uh, but I don't think we should force that. I think we should let that happen uh, progressively and naturally. As far as having a sevens uh, high school team for Tigers, Again, it comes down to logistics, you know, and the U.S. being such a big place. And this is kind of what we're doing with this Tiger rugby thing is, is we're collaborating with coaches from, from across the country. Um, again, with the four coaches that are going to be in Vegas, we are literally from each time zone. Um, you know, myself from SoCal, Andre from Denver, Paul from Columbus, and uh, Chris Ryan uh, from the East Coast. So, um, you know, we want to add more coaches to that to that group. And, uh, and like I said, hope to develop them at the same time. James, speaking of uh, bringing in coaches from all over the place, uh, the the unofficial word is about, uh, and we, we had something on rugbymag.com about this, the, the development of an academy system for the national team. Tiger Rugby is uh, expected to be a part of that. Um, and and with your partnership now, essentially Tiger Rugby, there's Tiger Rugby Southern California, there's Tiger Rugby Ohio. Um, so there's um, 
that's going to be involved along with uh, probably in a cat, obviously something connected with the OTC in Chula Vista and something pro connected with Cerevi rugby um, and elsewhere as well, uh, Chicago. What can you tell us about um, how, you know, how this is, there's sort of a formalization of a relationship between the programs that want to be um, more elite level and play not just in the national championships but elsewhere and the national team? Well, I think, um, you know, you guys are aware that I've been working mostly, you know, previously with uh, El Carabelli yes. and now with, uh, now with Alex, you know, in, in, in trying to spot talent and bring talent through the ranks. And, and I think this is a... It's a great idea by, by Mags and, and USA Rugby to try to put something more formal and structured in place. Um, the truth is, is that that nothing's been settled just yet. Um, there's some good ideas for the structures, uh, playing you know a few academy tournaments every year, so that the guys, the best players, can play with you know against each other, um, as well as have some uh, standards that these academies would would. Uh, would try to, uh, you know, live by. Uh, so basically what it, what it all comes down to at the end of the day is, is that there's some really good ideas on the table, but it takes money uh, to execute, you know. Um, and speaking to Mags, you know, trying to explain to him that, and he, he gets it, he totally gets it. Uh, you know, do I want to spend $20,000 on flying to Atlanta so that I can play against Cerevi uh, for the fourth time in a year, or do I want to spend $20,000 and fly to Nairobi and play against Samoa. It's a no-brainer. Um, so, you know, there's some things like that that need to be ironed out, as well as the expectations from USA Rugby. Um, obviously, we have ideas of ways that we want to run our academy that might not always, uh, you know, jive with what, what uh, USA Rugby necessarily wants. But ultimately, we all want the same thing, which is to, to develop and fast-track guys into the system as quickly as possible. So does that mean that, well, I, I, again, we don't know the details, but where, where you can have an issue would be when a national team coach says, James, here's Joe Bloggs, and I think he's, he's got a lot of potential. I want you to, to make it happen. And you bring him into the program, and then you go back and say, you know, it's never going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. You know that I, I guess I guess there has to be uh, enough mutual respect and open communication so that those kinds of things can be resolved, and it's not just a case of you being told to play a player that you don't have faith in. Yeah, I mean, and and again, it, it it's it's sometimes you know it's sometimes more than just the player's ability. It's sometimes the top two inches. In fact, oftentimes the top two inches. And I know, pre, uh, you know, previously with L, uh, there's, there's been a couple of times when uh, L sent boys to Beaumont Shore that had uh, that had played for the Eagles and that couldn't make my squad. And him and I had a, you know, a couple of words about one guy in particular. But at the end of the day, the mutual respect wins out, and um, you know, we we have to have that. Otherwise, we can't we can't work together. Good. So so we're going to see possibly. Um, Tiger Rugby, uh, using players that you're you're training with uh, on a regular basis. Perhaps another player brought in, maybe a, a youngster from you know Utah or someplace that 
that somebody you know somebody wants to see and you may be going like you said you may be going to Kenya you may be going to Canada or South America something like that and and there's a ideally there's a USA rugby support there i don't know if it's financial but it's certainly it, it might be in terms of just helping you find the players and and get permission to tour and some other stuff yeah i i mean as far as the financial goes to be honest i i i would suggest that the usa rugby keeps their money and and, and <laughs> keeps their money for players and, and contracts and, and whatnot i'd love to see the players that are contracted at chula vista get more money um, it's very hard for them to survive on what they're on. I know the intentions are, are, are great, um, and I think the players have to be patient, but I think sometimes we spread the money too thin, but that's that's a whole nother debate, which I'm sure Bruce would love to have. Um, but, you know, we'll raise the money, we'll go on to a... I could see a, a potential, uh, you know, possibility of taking a target tour and... And, you know, maybe the national coach doesn't like the fact that player XYZ doesn't make the tour. But, but uh, you know, we'll, again, we'll, we'll, we'll try to be as transparent as possible in the selection process. Um, whenever I pick a team, I'm, I'm very straight up with the players. And, uh, you know, I always pick the team based on what's good for the team, um, you know, as far as balance goes. James... Right now, it seems pretty apparent if you want to be a sevens player and you're in your early 20s or mid-20s or even younger, uh, what you need to do is move to the Chula Vista area, contact Alex Magleby, try to get in there and start training. If I remember correctly, that's kind of what Mike Taylor did, right, and kind of what Nate Augsburger did, um, to where they're moving down there without contracts and working out and, and playing with the team. So I, I guess part of the idea is now... If you live in the middle of the country, you don't have to necessarily move to Chula Vista. There are a couple of different other stations. Is that part of the deal? And and yeah. you see it right now that it probably is a good idea to move to Chula Vista if you are Dom. Mac yeah, I mean, I I I, uh, I actually don't think it's necessarily the best thing to move to Chula Vista. The player puts himself um, under enormous financial pressure unless he's obviously right there, you know, just a, a sniff away. From the national team, I think it's it's great for us and Surabi and and clubs like that around the country to provide places where the players can go that are more local to their uh, to where they are, um, uh, you know. And, and and obviously, as long as the databases that we create are open and accessible by the national coach, and and the national coach respects the uh, the work that the coaches be below him are doing, I think that's a much better a much better way to go. Um, also for, for Mags, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure that he wants 40, 50 guys showing up at every training. It becomes a bit of a handful. <laughs> well, that's, that's the point of the academy system, right? Is, is to have something that if you're, if you're in the Midwest, there's a place you can go that's not too far. Um, and, and you don't uproot your entire life on a whim. Yeah. And conversely, you know, if, if, if Alex does get a, a D1 football player who's a linebacker and the guy's an amazing athlete, uh, kind of like Colin, uh, but he's not ready for the show yet. You know, you can send him to Seattle or you can send him to Columbus or you can send him to, you know, uh, Chris Ryan in Philly or wherever. But he knows that with certain coaches, he's going to get a player that's going to be very well taken care of and developed carefully. What what then, James, is the difference? Because it's not like people haven't already known for years that Belmont Shore can play sevens or that Nova's going to have a good sevens team or uh, maybe Nova's not the best example, but there are places to go to get good at the game. Right, you know that if you're a good 15s player and you go to Nyack, you're going to get good coaching and become a better player. 
So what is the difference then for a, a guy moving to Tiger Rugby now that it's called an academy versus moving to Belmont Shore two years ago? Um, you know, I, I, on the face of it, I don't know if there's really that much difference. You know, we've always had great uh, close relationships with the uh, national coaches as, as they have at NIAC, for example. Um, if a player is good at NIAC or at Belmont Shore, he's going to get a look no matter what. Um, but I think the formalization of the relationship, you know, if, uh, if Mags or the USOC endorse us, um, it'll formalize it and crystallize it in the player's minds that that is, in fact, the place to go. It's not just the USA. You know, that said, uh, additionally, you know, we are investing in facilities. We're investing in trainers. Um, you know, we're talking about doing high-performance training on an individual basis uh, that hasn't been done in this country uh, before. So th that there is a big difference in that. Guys can eat, sleep, and breathe rugby 24 hours a day, you know, and they don't they don't have to be in the U.S. national team. Hey, you you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that there was a guy you know or two that Al had sent you that um, that you were like you were a little you know less impressed with or weren't all that high on at the end of the day um, because you didn't make your top side or whatever. Has there been a guy where you've been kind of surprised someone has, has sent you and you've been all right, this guy's actually better than I thought. Because I, you mentioned Carlin Isles a minute ago, and I don't want to come off as the president of Carlin Isles fan club, but talking to some of the people in the West area um, this summer, he wasn't even, I mean, he was definitely not a, a for sure choice to even make the West All-Star team. Then he goes to the West National All-Star tournament. If I remember correctly, he led the tournament in tries, and now he's, you know, blazing up the, 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 the seven series in the capacity that he's playing. Have, has there ever been a guy that's kind of been pushed on you that you've been surprised with, or have you heard that story anywhere else? Um, first of all, let me say that, that, uh, Carlin has really proved me wrong. Um, I think he's been, I, I think he's been learning at an amazingly quick, quick pace. Um, no pun intended, but, but that said, whether he should be on the national side or not, I, I'm still not convinced. I think he's got all the tools to be there. Um, I suppose, you know, again, he's scoring tries and he's, he's doing what he needs to do. Um, I do know that, you know, some of the players have talked about him being out of position a lot. But, you know, the only way you can learn is by playing. Um, and right now, no one's playing sevens uh, at, at this time of the year, other than, you know, the colleges. So, um, if Max can afford to have him on the team, you know, I suppose it's, it's worked out for him. But as far as guys that have been uh, pushed my way, there's been a couple of, a, a couple of guys Um but most of the ones that have been the biggest surprises are the ones that have kind of just shown up out of nowhere and, uh, and gotten on with it. What's your vision of, your, of the Tiger Rugby Academy? Like if you could just talk me through the facility, talk us through it, talk us through the facility, talk us through uh, a typical training week or, you know, just Joe Bag of Donuts week. And I guess you wouldn't be having bags of donuts if you're playing sevens. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're sitting if you're sitting here like me, Pat and Alex, you might. But um so that type of thing. What's your what is the vision of that on a day to day basis, a preparation basis? Not not necessarily anything else but the preparation and the development. Yeah, on a day to day basis, a lot of it's gonna be doing um, you know, the the facility that we that we putting together in uh in Columbus, um, obviously, it's a it's a for-profit uh, business. 
Uh, we do uh, physical training, personal training out of there. Uh, as far as the rugby players, we hope to have uh, in the first quarter of next year, eight guys um, of which we will, you know, be giving scholarships to, to some of them. Um, but it's, it, it really just boils down to getting their bodies in rugby shape, um, doing core skills development. We've got indoor pitches. We've got three indoor fields. Uh, we have three outdoor fields uh, that we have access to. We've got an Olympic lifting facility. Um, it's just going to be skill, skill, skill. We have a couple of uh, uh, coaches that we're busy speaking to right now that we want to get down on a full-time basis so that these guys can get one-on-one -on -one personalized training training um day in and day out just rugby all the time um that's the academy understand that the, the target touring team isn't just going to be made of people that are or, or guys that are training at the academy um the the larger vision is for us to have ambassadors around the country guys that are affiliated with tiger we uh will share knowledge we have knowledge bases online we'll share with the coaches uh we'll we'll fly out and we'll do coaching clinics at various universities um, we're not going to be copying the Cerebri model. Um, we're going to try to keep it smaller and, and more refined as far as who we work with. Um, but again, it's, it's about development of players, coaches, 24-7. Um, you know, I'm not quite ready to unveil exactly what we're doing in Columbus because we haven't even opened the doors yet. Uh, but in a nutshell, it's about trying to immerse players in a rugby environment um, in a nutshell if you could give us a little bit of what core skills when you say skills 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 yep what would those be in terms of what individual players and, and little groups of players what would they be doing what types of skills because i know people there's a lot of times people say skills 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 and and yep. and i know you know what you're talking about but a lot of people don't know what they're talking about, so I'd like to hear what you, what you say because um, a lot of people don't know where to start. Right. Well, for example, my uh, my coach at Belmont Shore, I think you met him, Bruce, um, Ray Egan. Uh, we hired him out of the Munster Academy. So uh, Ray's going to be working with us to, to develop the academy itself. Um, obviously, in Ireland, you know, when the kids come into the academy, they've already got the core skills that I'm talking about. So the one thing that we've struggled with in this country is, is our core basics, you know, tackling, passing the ball, kicking the ball. So it, it, it might start with that. And depending on the, on the level of the player, go up from there. Um, you know, also we'll be doing video, uh, you know, video study with the players, um, doing uh, visualization drills, um, you know, trying to help the players see the field better I and mean, there, there's 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 tons of things i mean we we could bore you with it if you want but well but. you know what i the thing that the thing that really that really struck me and and well you got me with two two things that were huge number one you started with tackling americans are overrated tacklers absolutely unequivocally overrated and and need heaps and heaps of work on it secondly mm -hmm. visualization and and you know, I know you spoke about the top two inches and, and some of the players that have been uh, maybe, you know, you've been told to grab onto and, 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 and they have issues outside of outside of rugby, possibly selfishness issues or things like that, that I, I, those are big problems. And I think that those are issues that either need to be addressed or that person needs to be dropped. 
I mean, they, yep. that there's no place for it 